I prepared a message for you called Dead to Your Righteousness. I think in this time, we need to think a little bit more that something is really wrong in our society. And um, I think righteousness is a really serious problem right now. And, and, and there's, a, there's an incredible passage in the Bible, that's what I'm going to preach out of, which I think will speak to it. And it doesn't usually get too much attention, but it's an incredibly profound truth. And I would like to speak to that tonight. So let's get into it. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 8. I don't know we'll get to see it. Hopefully we'll get to see it. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 through 8. Uh, this is the word of God. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Verse 5. If we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Let me read that one more time, verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. May the word, Lord bless, bless the reading of his word. Um, I'm, um, you know, uh, What's really been commonly taught in American Christianity for you know, just generations upon generations, of course, is the deep and profound truth that Jesus, he died the death we deserve to die. And he shed his blood, and it came out of his side, it came out of his wrists, and that blood washes us of our sins, and that's, of course, absolutely true. And that's why we worship tonight. But... Um, I think a truth that is, that is taught in the Bible, very, very biblical, that uh, we American Christians regularly don't think about is that we have been united to Jesus by our faith in him. That the central mystery of Christianity is that all those who have put their faith in Jesus, it isn't that we just have a Savior that's far away from us, Something tremendously mysterious has happened. The way the Bible puts this is, do you not know that if you have been baptized with Christ, that those who have been baptized were baptized into his death? Verse 5, if we have been united with him in a death like his, you'll be united with him in a resurrection like his. So there's, this, there's something really strange going on here that, when Jesus died, 
if you have put your faith in him, something very odd and strange has happened. This is verse 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. I want to ask you that question. Do you know that? We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. Do you know that? Um, there's this truth that, and I think most of us know that something is really wrong with me. If you believe in Jesus, somewhere along the line, you have recognized that there's something really deeply inadequate about you. And what the Bible teaches isn't just that, that there's some bad stuff you did. That's, you know, the, the common view of sin is there's something bad you did, and that's sin. You, you lied. That, okay, that, that you sinned. You stole that sin. Uh, maybe some, some even worse stuff. You went on the Internet. Some really bad stuff was on there. You like looking at that bad stuff. That's sin. All those things are sin, but actually... The Bible says that your body, your you, the who you are, your body, your physicality, when the Bible talks about your body, it's not just talking about your physical body, it's talking about you. <laughs> that there's a body that's you, and the way the Bible puts it is that there's a body of sin. It goes on, it's even worse. It says that really you are enslaved to sin. There's something so wrong with us that the only answer for it, see, the Bible says that Jesus paid his blood, his blood was shed and we were washed. But actually, it, the Bible says even more than that, that the answer for it is that this you has to be crucified and die. And that the Son of God came, that the real answer for this body of sin, this you, is the real answer is that you, that's apart from God, has to die. And Jesus came to die that death so that when we die, we don't just die, we die with him. When we die, your death is crucified in this very mysterious thing. Your death is united to his death. And his death can swallow up your death. I want to say something a little bit more about this. Um, we tend to think there's me and then there's some bad stuff, but actually the Bible talks about, you know, your sin isn't just bad things that you do. It's all of your life that you and I want to live where there's no God in it. That's sin. So, Things like this are sin. Your dreams of how successful you're going to be, but there's no God in it. <laughs> you know, that's actually, that dream, which seems like such a great dream, it's actually just part of the body of sin. It's actually sin. <laughs> um, our wisdom, there's no God in it. <laughs> there's no grace in it. There's only some truth in it. Our wisdom it's part of the body of sin. Like we're in the Bible, it's supposed to die. 
I want to talk about one um, that we don't think about today, which is our righteousness. And I'll give you a quote. Um, currently, you know, we're a church plant, and in our church plant, we're, we're trying to raise up some godly elders. And so our, in, our, in our elder candidates training, um, I assigned a very important reading. So some of you have heard about this guy, a famous preacher. His name is Timothy Keller. And, you know, he's written these best-selling books. But one of his, the best thing he ever wrote was a 12-page paper, which was a vision paper for the church he planted in New York City called Redeemer Presbyterian Church. It's called The Centrality of the Gospel. And I want to read to you, um, you know, just a couple sentences from The Centrality of the Gospel. And so just to set this up, he says that the problem with so many Christians is that we tend to think that getting the gospel means getting more religion. So he basically, human beings tend to look at the world and says, I don't really know about that God and religion stuff. And so since we're not interested in that, you just try to get out and make, you muddle through your life on your own. He calls that irreligion. Today we call it secularity. That's just kind of normal America, right? But then he says, so many people who call themselves Christian, what they mean is, get into church and do more religion. He says that's actually not getting the gospel. So let me, let me, let me, let me give you this quote. To get the gospel is to turn from self-justification and rely on Jesus' record for a relationship with God. Let me say that a little bit differently. To get the gospel is to turn from all the works that you do to make yourself think that you're a good person and rely on Christ alone for a relationship with God. And then he really sticks a knife in with this next sentence. This is the one I really want to get across. And I think this is so important today, and it's so important, I... I I uh, you know, want to emphasize this to our elder candidates, but I want to emphasize this tonight. Here's how he puts it. The irreligious don't repent at all. And the religious repent only of their sins. You know these bad things that we do? You, know, you do a few of these bad things and you start thinking you're bad. Oh, let, let's go get church. Because you know, church, that's where the religion is. I need more religion. That's what he's saying. But then he says this way, but genuinely those who are truly born of the gospel, they don't just repent of their sins, they repent of their righteousness. So we put it. Not just of your sins, but of your righteousness. Righteousness is a serious problem today. Um, I can't ever quite remember a time in my life and... Um, Okay, I, I'm, I'm not that young, okay? <laughs> I'm old enough. Um, I'm pushing 50. I'm almost there, okay? So a little short of that, getting the, the vaccine in the next couple of weeks, okay? I'm quite qualified that, for that. But I'm old enough. I, don't, I can't ever quite remember a time in American life where there's been so much anger and condemnation. And everybody's got a hair trigger hair-trigger way of looking down upon whoever you think is wrong. And you know what I think 
is this is this? It's righteousness. It's righteousness. <laughs> so much righteousness is going on. And it is so bad. <laughs> um, I want to offer you another quote. Why is righteousness, well, you know, I'm a good person and I have good intentions and we just do this, and that's good, isn't it? Well, not always. And quite often, there's a, a different problem which we often do not see. And this is the problem that, that's in everybody, but which is spoiling our righteousness and turning it into something terrible. And so this is uh, from this little book. And so you know, you maybe, maybe you can't see it here. Or, okay. It's a famous book um, called Mere Christianity. Uh, it's a classic written by, you, you might have heard of him, a guy like C.S. Lewis. You know, just some, some, some dude, C.S. Lewis, OK? And um, there's this tremendous chapter in this book called The Great Sin. And I want to read you a little something he says. This is what he says. There is one vice of which no man in the world is free, which everyone in the world loathes when he sees it in someone else, and in which hardly any people, except Christians, ever imagine they are guilty themselves. I have heard people admit that they are bad-tempered, or that they cannot keep their head about women or alcohol, or even that they are cowards. I do not think I've ever heard anyone who was not a Christian accuse himself of this vice. And at the same time, I have very seldom met anyone who was not a Christian who showed the slightest mercy to it in others. There is no fault which makes a man more unpopular and no fault which we are more unconscious of in ourselves. Let me say, there is no fault, there is no sin which you don't, that we are more unconscious of. In other words, it's so invisible even to you. It's especially invisible to you. That's what he's saying. And the more we have it in ourselves, the more we dislike it in others. The vice I'm talking about of is pride or self-conceit. And the opposite virtue to it in Christian morals is called humility. You know what I think the big problem in, in our righteousness is? It's this. <laughs> and when we are so right and we're so righteous, we, are, we just, it's a, we, we gotta win. <laughs> we gotta get our way. And those people are so wrong and they're the bad ones, right? And because our righteousness is so righteous, if we don't win, the world would be so bad because the bad ones are winning, right? But I want to offer you, maybe the world would be better if this way of living would die. More than die, would be crucified. You know, it's just showing up in so many different ways. Um, the, there's the if you don't wear a mask, you're bad. <laughs> and, and all the right people know that 
you are killing people if you don't wear a mask. That's righteousness. And then there's, of course, no, if you wear a mask, that's like, you know, like we're going to lose our freedom. You, you, you lack, okay, there's a Christian version, you lack faith. But where does it say anywhere in the Bible that it's, that there's that? The Bible does say that you could be right, but it's better to give up your rights to love your brothers. That's real righteousness. That's what the Bible says. You know, there's the, there's the politics. We have this word, big word, justice. And today, justice without God, justice wholly based upon the wisdom of man, there's like zero forgiveness. And it doesn't, it's not geared toward reconciliation. It's not geared toward unity. There's tremendous anger and judgment. And, you know, we don't call it being cast out into hell. We call it cancel. That's the righteousness of today. And I want to just offer just one more example, um, not getting overly dramatic. Um, have you ever had a fight with your spouse? Yeah, right? You know? Like, I'm sure, you know, those of you at, like, all nations and, you know, at Trinity, your, your, your marriages are just so holy. <laughs> your children have never seen you, you know, fight, right? Now, um, so here, let me offer this. If you have been married even for just a few years, I hope you know by now that being right in your righteousness, in your marriage, that's not, that's not a good way to win, is it? <laughs> so you start off in your marriage, you know, the rookie husband and the rookie wife. No, I'm righteous and you're unrighteous. Our marriage would be better if you would be fixed. Because <laughs> I'm, you know, righteous and I'm right. <laughs> and if we just, you, if you would just be fixed, then we'll have a happy life. And that's just like, the, that's like, you know, you get married, and then that's like, that's, that's like pretty much your first fight, your second fight, your fifth fight, your tenth fight, your hundredth fight. And if you have, if you get a clue, you know what you find out? Being righteous is not a good way to have a marriage. <laughs> At least not your righteousness. So... If you haven't figured this out yet and you've been married for a while, today's a really good Friday for you. <laughs> it's a really good Friday because uh, if you really listen tonight, maybe you, your marriage could be saved. Because that's what it says. We know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be brought to nothing Today, I want to ask brothers and sisters, our neighbors, our fellow brothers and sisters in the church, our body of righteousness, our righteousness must be brought to nothing so that this bad version of me can go away 
and we could give to our families and our friends and our brothers and sisters in church and certainly to our neighbors. I, about, about a month or so ago, I was getting really mad about something political. I won't tell you which side was making me mad. And you know, this thought came to my mind, but Jesus died so that this could die. And in 10,000 years from now, nobody will care who was Democrat or Republican. It would be really, really stupid. Because Jesus will reign. So brothers and sisters, I'm going to close with this. This couple verses later, here's what it says. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. Let me say it a little differently. So you should consider yourself dead to your righteousness. And be alive to God in Christ Jesus. Let not sin, therefore, reign in your mortal body but make, and to make you obey its passion. So you feel that passion, that righteousness passion? Put it to death on the cross with him. And let his spirit give you a real life. Isn't that a great thing? It's a really good day. It's a really great, great Friday. And so, brothers and sisters, let's um, go to the table of the Lord and let us remember this truth that our self apart from God has been crucified. And let us ask that by the power of the Holy Spirit, all our pride and all our righteousness would die so that true righteousness, true holiness, true loving humility could be alive, the kind that's like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, a very unholy people are we, and yet we are not victims. Our old self has died because you, Lord Jesus, was crucified and has swallowed up all that we deserve so that we can have a real righteousness and a genuine love and the great freedom of real humility, something we do not deserve and have no clue how to get to. Thank you for your grace and your mercy. Thank you for our death, your death, by which all that we deserve can be swallowed up. In Jesus' name.